Welcome to Stoked with Megan McPhail, the podcast that helps you get super effing jazzed about your work, life, and bank account. I'm your host, Megan McPhail, a former burnt out emergency veterinarian that quit my hard-earned career to become a seven-figure business coach, entrepreneur, and elopement photographer. Now I'm living a life I absolutely love, full of travel, adventure, and financial abundance, and I am hell-bent on inspiring others to do the same. Are you ready to say goodbye to the 9-to-5 grind and start going after some big, bold dreams? Then let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, hey, it's your host, Megan McPhail. And your co-host, Todd Reedy. And today's episode is all about pricing psychology, because pricing is terrifying as an entrepreneur. (laughs) It's really hard to develop a pricing strategy that works, whether you're a photographer, whether you're a coach, whether you're selling high ticket items, low ticket offers, whatever it is, understanding pricing psychology can help you. And I want you to take this information and use it ethically. I'm always about doing everything in a way that feels good to you, that doesn't feel icky or like a used car salesman or like you're trying to pull a fast one or whatever. You can use pricing psychology to upsell in a way that's not really upselling. I use it as a way to encourage people to do things that I know are the best for them (laughs) without having to actually like say you should do this. But anyway, let me just get right into it so you can see what I mean. But yeah, I want it to be ethical. I don't want you to use this to like try to run some gimmicks or something like that or you know, sucker somebody into purchasing something from you. So, okay. First of all, there's something called the price quality relationship, which is really simple to understand. Basically, things that cost more are perceived to have more value and be of better quality, essentially. So when you charge more for a service, if everything else is unavailable to them and they see your price compared to somebody who charges way less, they are going to assume that the quality of your product or offer or service is better than the lower priced product. So this is important to understand for a lot of people, especially like photographers who are working with people with very low budgets and price hagglers and you know, or giving grief about how much they charge for things, that there are plenty of people out there who seek out higher priced services and products because they assume the quality is better. So for example, if you look at hotels, there's like budget hotels. I've stayed in a ton of them to try to save money, like Motel 6, no frills, sketchy neighborhood, 40 to 60 bucks, depending on what city you're in. There's a market for those. There are people who want to stay in places that are super freaking cheap, don't even have a mini fridge, you know, like the bed is awful and uncomfortable, but they don't care. They just want a cheap hotel for the night. And that's been me on multiple occasions. There are also hotels like mid-range hotels like Doubletree or Hilton or Holiday Inn. Yeah, Holiday Inn. I mean, they have a pool. They have a free breakfast. Nicer beds, nicer linens. I mean, there are some people who would never be caught dead at a Motel 6 and will only stay at like those mid-range hotels. And then there's hotels and resorts and super fancy places that cost, I mean, thousands of dollars a night. So we're talking about five-star hotels where 
You know, you have like the concierge that calls you like Mr. Greedy and Ms. McPhail, <laughs> you know, and they they help you with everything and you have to tip people and it's beautiful and it's stunning and it's a whole experience and you are definitely going to splurge on that hotel. All those things exist, right? But people I work with, I don't want you to be the Motel 6. <laughs> like some things, sure, you can be the Holiday Inn. Like that's a step up. And you don't necessarily have to be Amangiri, which charges $4,000 a night or, you know, some other resorts that are like $5,000 a night out in St. Lucia or whatever. Like you don't necessarily have to be those. But just remember that there are lots of people that do want to spend money on an experience and they don't want Motel 6s. Another example is champagne. If I go to a nice restaurant and want to pop a bottle of champagne because we just hit a big milestone or achieved a big goal, and I'm like, I don't want to just do, let's say there's like an $8 bottle of champagne, (laughs) a $40 bottle of champagne, and then a $150 bottle of champagne on the menu. Like, which one are you going to say is the best quality? The most expensive one, just right. kind of by default, right? Yeah. It's not the $8 one. So just by price alone, they are going to make judgments, right? And there's likely a bunch of like mid-priced hotels, mid-priced champagne bottles, all that kind of stuff, and only like a small amount of really expensive things. And those really expensive things tend to have less competition because they're not priced the same as other things. So that's one thing I've noticed as I've gotten to be one of the higher priced elopement photographers, that there's just not as much competition up there. There's only so many of us. And for the people who are searching for somebody who charges a lot because they see them as better quality and like they trust them because they cost a lot. Yeah, there's just not as much competition up there. So not everybody wants a good freaking deal. Not everyone wants to stay at Motel 6. Not everybody is a price haggler that's trying to get away with a really cheap service or product. Not everyone wants to wear clothes from Walmart. So the price quality relationship is super important to realize that by charging more, people are just automatically going to see you as higher quality. And I think that's probably stemmed from kind of the, the term that we probably all have learned when we we're growing up, like you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. Which is true for the vast majority of things. Yeah. So that's important. So another thing we can utilize is a lot of people don't really know how much photography services should cost or coaching services or how much an online course should cost or a workshop or whatever. Like the people wanting to purchase these things often don't know what the price should be. So another thing that we could use as far as pricing psychology goes is price anchoring, where we show a higher price first. So that's also, I mean, a lot of clothing stores kind of do this, I think, unethically when they're like 50% off. Instead of $60, it's $30, but really it's always been $30. You know, So that's a way that you could use price anchoring kind of unethically by like jacking up what the price is supposed to be and then like getting a percentage off of it. So that's one way to do it. The way I like to do it as far as photography goes is always showing my biggest package first. And it's the package that has all the bells and whistles. It's multiple days. It's 12 hours. It's got an album involved. It has an adventure session. It's just like everything you could possibly want. And it's like, super expensive. (laughs) And nobody, 
Nobody gets it because nobody wants all that stuff. But I use it to kind of like prime people's brains to be like, okay, if you're the type of person that wants all the bells and whistles, it's like $15,000. But what most people get is this package, which is the next one, which is, I don't know, 8000 or something. So that looks like such a better deal in comparison to the first one. So price anchoring is important. You can also do it with coaching services where you can show like, hey, like all of these things that you're getting in this coaching service individually would cost this much. But since you are like hiring me for this period of time, it's only going to cost this much. So price anchoring is super important because not only does it kind of teach them what the prices are and what things would be kind of individually or without the sale or without all the bells and whistles. It kind of primes them to then see what the real price is or what you really want them to purchase. It makes that seem like a better deal to them. There's also the decoy effect, which I also utilize. And it's basically introducing another, like a third option to people that has a lot less perks or benefits to it and is not that much less expensive. So it's kind of also like price anchoring a little bit, but really it's supposed to get people to purchase like the package that you want them to. So I have my super huge bells and whistles package, and then I have the package I want them to purchase right after that. And then after that, I have a decoy package which has limited availability, it has less hours, but it's not that much cheaper. Because to hire me, really, I mean, most of most of the money for hiring me is like the planning process, blocking off the date in my calendar, traveling to you, all that kind of stuff. So whether you book me as an elopement photographer for four hours or eight hours, there's not a big difference there. So why would anybody want to book me for four hours when they could book me for eight hours, and it's not that much more expensive. So that's decoy pricing. And that that decoy or the lowest price or the lowest package is kind of your the lowest barrier of entry for you to do work with somebody. Yeah. Right. So like if someone did book that low package, which happens very rarely, if ever, it would be something that you would take, you would do the work and you'd be happy with it. But it's like the bare minimum of what would get you out of bed to go do some work. Exactly. Yeah. And then all of these things kind of compound on each other. So... (laughs) There's also the center stage with pricing psychology. So if you have three options for people, and I have a price anchoring option, I have a decoy option, and then I have my middle option, which is what I want people to actually purchase from me. Center stage is also a phenomenon where people notice products in the middle more than on either side and are most likely to purchase things in the middle when presented with like a three-tier pricing strategy. (laughs) So not only am I using the price quality relationship by having high prices to begin with, so they automatically think I'm hot shit, they know I'm good quality because I charge so much, I'm using price anchoring by having like a really high package, I'm using the decoy effect by having a package that costs a lot but doesn't offer that much. And then I'm using center stage by having my favorite package, the one that I book 99% of the time right in the middle. And it just looks like a great deal because it's next to something really high, something not that much lower than it. And it's just like the perfect package for every elopement couple. And so I'm utilizing pricing psychology to encourage them to book me for an eight hour day. And I don't feel bad about that because... 
everybody should have a photographer for at least eight hours on their elopement day. I will die on that hill. (laughs) Every time we finish an elopement that's eight hours, people wish it lasted longer, right? Yeah. Including us. Yeah. Right? Because... There's always one more shot or one more location or one more pose. Or we just loved hanging out with them. Yeah. Or there's just so much more cool stuff that we could do. So that's really how you can utilize all the different pricing psychology for photographers, at least. Make it easy. Have three packages. Utilize price anchoring, the decoy effect, center stage. Understand that not everybody wants a great freaking deal. Not everybody wants to shop at Walmart and buy the cheapest champagne and stay at Motel 6. There's plenty of people out there who want to invest in a service or a product or an offer that they are really passionate about. I don't really utilize these things as much for my coaching business. I do utilize price quality relationships. My pricing for my coaching, instead of utilizing psychology, it's more about return on investment. So for like business to consumer stuff where I'm I'm serving consumers instead of other businesses, they don't really get a return on their investment. So it's literally just you're paying for a service. You're not making money from the deal. So I don't have to utilize as much psychology for my coaching services because it's more about the messaging where I'm like, hey, you're going to make money by signing up for this. I'm going to help you figure out what's wrong in your business so that you can make more money and I expect you to 10x your investment, right? So I don't have to really utilize pricing psychology for coaching. The way to think about it from like the whole pay in full price of things with coaching, there's there's a lot of payment plans involved with coaching. And that has a whole psychology to it because I've found and I've learned from other coaches that there are like dropping five or six thousand dollars as a lump sum on coaching is very scary to people, but like spreading it out over several months is more comfortable. And then what those monthly payments are, people have different thresholds for what they're comfortable with there. So something that costs a hundred or two hundred dollars a month can be a no-brainer for some people, but as soon as it's like five hundred dollars a month, they're like, okay, I can make that work. a month is super freaking scary. Being able to make payment plans for people that want to work with me has not only helped a lot of people get their foot in the door with coaching, but also it's nice for me to get monthly payments. So that's how I utilize pricing psychology in both my businesses. I know Todd's utilized my same pricing structure. How's that worked for you? Uh, Good. The three pricing where you have the high, medium, low and kind of pushing people to the quote unquote most popular in the middle, which is what I want to sell and what I think is the best value and the best product or the best package. I think that works pretty well. Yeah, you get the occasional person purchasing the lowest one, the occasional person paying for like the top one, which then is also a good indicator that maybe it's time to raise prices too. Yeah, that is true. Oh, I've taught you so well. (laughs) So can I kind of do a rapid fire of... Q&As of kind of common pricing questions that you get often Ooh, yeah. that I know you feel all the time, but oh, I'm going so to put you on the hot seat. Oh man, I know. Normally I'm coming at these podcast episodes having like a plan for what I want to talk about and Todd's just like, I have no idea what's going on. And now I have no idea what's going on. So oh. yeah, let's hear these these questions. Okay. I mean, you answer these probably every day. Yeah. So <laughs> um, do you recommend putting your full pricing on your website or just a starting price? So for my coaching, I have my full pricing, even though people never see it, but my 
full pricing is on there. You can also do that for photography. There's pros and cons to both. If you want more inquiries, then I would just put your starting price on there. If you want less inquiries, but more quality inquiries, I would put your full pricing on there. But yeah, you can do it either way. There's not like a wrong way or a right way. It's just like, if I want more inquiries, I will just put my starting price on Hansel and Lace. If I want less inquiries, like if I'm getting too many and I'm overwhelmed and I'm saying no to them, and then I'll just put my full pricing on there. So anybody that inquires just knows right off the bat what they want. Okay. Next question. Yeah. For say pricing a given service, do you recommend doing like a round number or like a say the round number is going to be $1,000. Do you recommend keeping it at that round number, putting it at like $9.99 or some other kind of more specific number that isn't necessarily a 99, but to show more specificity of like, call it 957. Okay. There's a lot that goes into this too. So as far as like high ticket items, like elopement photography services, coaching services, I always want it to end in zeros. I want it to be like 5,000 or 4,800 or 45 or 5,200, something like that. I always want it to end in zeros. That's kind of like luxury pricing, you know, like these aren't things on sale for $19.99 or whatever. That cheapens the whole thing. And I don't want anybody doing that with their photography surfaces because photography is like the most important thing in the world. (laughs) It shouldn't be cheap. It shouldn't be something that's like on sale. But things that are genuinely on sale or low ticket items, you can have them end in a 99 or 7 or something like that. So I often sell my low ticket items for $197 or $9 or $47. There's supposed to be something where people really love the sevens. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't think it makes a difference if I sell something at $47 or $49. But yeah, any low ticket items, I do price them that way because they're typically a really good deal. Like I'm typically giving away a lot of information at a really cheap price. So I want to convey that in my pricing. Okay. Next question. Do you recommend, now this is like talking about services, kind of like a photography or videography. Do you recommend, I know we've talked about the kind of the big three packages. Mm -hmm. What are the pros and cons of doing those set packages versus kind of like an a la carte pricing where the couple or your client gets to choose kind of what exactly they want to build their own package? What are your thoughts on that? So my thoughts on that is that the couple will get overwhelmed with all their options and just dip. So you really don't want to overwhelm people and people get overwhelmed super easy. You don't want to give them a lot of options. Like people want to just come to you and be like, I'm just going to get your normal thing. Like you tell me what I need because you're the expert. I'm not, I don't really know what I need. And if you just kind of like itemize everything out you're not focusing so much on the experience. You're just, you're focusing on the price points of everything. So for me in my middle package, I don't sell it as eight hours and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a day where you are, where we can go to multiple locations. We can pivot spontaneously if we want to. We can hit up a brewery in the middle of the day. We can take our time to 
take in the views and not be rushed at all and just have no stress. And like my couples aren't going to wear watches. I'm going to take care of the timeline. And it's this activity. It's that location. Like it's truly an experience that I'm selling. It's not the individual items, you know. So I don't like that. I think it overwhelms people and I think it loses sight of what the day is really about, which is not like, well, I want two hours and then I want this small album and then I want an adventure. I don't know. Like that just feels weird to me. Yeah. And it's so it's you're like valuing and like conveying the importance of like the experience as opposed to just like a grocery list of like these are the things that you need to have, you know, item one, item two, item three, like a grocery list. Yeah. So, And I know best. I (laughs) couples might come to me thinking they know what they want. Mama Megan knows what they want. (laughs) I know what's best for them. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be that transactional, like pick the things that you want. I want it to be more like, let's create the experience. And then I don't want you to worry about how all the things come together. It's just this price and I'm going to create the experience for you. That's what I want it to be like. And I'm sure that like from a, on the other side, being a customer, I'm talking this through as we're like planning our own elopement of like, there are things that I'm not an expert in. And so it's comforting being a customer to like kind of lean on them and be like, Hey, you're the expert here. Tell me what your recommendation is or what is the most popular. And so taking ownership that on the service provider side of like, yeah, they want to be helped. They want to be served. I think it's important that we need to like wrap our head around that and like know that we're providing value because they probably haven't eloped before. They probably haven't gotten married before. Probably don't Hi- know anybody who's yeah. done this before. Or hired a photographer just in general. It takes a lot off their plate. Yeah. And that's what happens at higher price points is people don't want extra work <laughs> on their end. You know, they want to hire you to do the extra work for them. They don't want to think about all the individual things. They're normally already overwhelmed and tired from work and dealing with, you know, aunt so-and-so who doesn't even want them to elope or whatever. Like the last thing they want to do is feel like they have to be in charge of the experience when they really want to pay somebody to be in charge of it for them. Okay. So next question would be along like specific numbers on, again, we're on the elopement photography example. What do you think is the difference between a $3,000 elopement photographer versus a $5,000 elopement photographer? So I get that question a lot. Yeah, because I think people, I mean, I really push people to charge at least $5,000 for elopements. And I think they get really scared that there's some level of service that you need to provide at $5,000 that is above and beyond what you provide at $3,000. And that's just not the case. Like the level of service is pretty much the same. I mean, I, as I've charged more, I've definitely felt more and more confident as an elopement photographer and guiding people through the planning process and stuff like that. But I'm not doing anything different than I was when I was charging 3800 for an eight hour day. You know, like there's really no difference. It's just you and your personality, <laughs> you know, like you're providing a different experience compared to everybody else because you're a unique, special quirky, weird individual. So hopefully that pricing psychology episode was helpful, especially if you are a photographer struggling with your pricing. 
I do have an online course called Price It Right that goes over all of this, including your cost of doing business and the four different types of people that purchase from you and how to raise your prices, like an actual worksheet on what your prices should be. So if you want that, you can head over to my website at www.meganmcphail.com. And as always, if you have any questions, just hit me up on Instagram and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Stoked with Megan McPhail. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. If you're looking for more inspiring content, check us out on Instagram at Stoked with Megan McPhail. And to learn more about my business coaching and how I can personally help you quit your nine to five, visit my website at meganmcphail.com. I hope this leaves you feeling stoked. See you next week.